Well, good morning. So Poner1 asks a very good question, uh, and it's a challenging one on a couple of fronts here, but let me go ahead and see if we can um, take a look at it here. Uh, I've been in debate with a couple of ministries about where they argue about babies and children without guilty conscience under the age of accountability uh, are removed from the earth along with the saints in the rapture. Uh, but I see no logic in this thinking when God has visited plagues and destruction and ordered his angels and Israelites to kill young, uh, even the youngest of children, since there will be childbirth and uh, women in labor uh, during the tribulation, if God wanted to spare the innocent from it, why would he not shut the wombs as he uh, has the ability to do so? I mean, if someone with no accountability for sin perishes or survives the tribulation, then they do, then they do. But if someone uh, grows up uh, and due to the guilt in his own heart, be found a sinner and perished, aren't they any different? Uh, they aren't any different from any of the other of the damned. Uh, in conclusion, aren't the babies and young children but flesh and subject to plagues of God like in the past? There is quite a bit there. Um, so let me talk to a couple of things here and then try to answer the questions uh, at hand here. Uh, the question here, of course, revolves around the idea of uh, some who would say that uh, when the rapture happens, uh, babies, um, uh, young children, those who have not really yet reached an age where they can you know, cognitively make choices about, you know, faith and, and, you know, uh, all that kind of thing. They would be, would they be raptured up, um, with the saints when that time comes? Um, so, uh, there's a couple of things there in the question that I would just address first. Uh, first off, um, there is a there does seem to be, you know, we see in the Old Testament this concept of, and, uh, what, what we call an age of accountability. Um, sometimes it's ascribed to being 18 or 20 because that's the age when uh, a young Israelite was able to join the, and be a soldier and that kind of thing. Um, but we don't really know if the idea of an age of accountability per se is a universal concept in scripture. We know that there's seems to be an allusion to an idea like this, but I don't know that we really could say that there is a definitive age of accountability. What I would say to that though, is that God knows specifically uh, at what point a human being is capable of, you know, putting their faith in Christ, uh, understanding questions of that kind of caliber. Um, and so I, I don't, uh, you know, really put a lot of stock in saying, well, until you're 18, you're really not accountable for anything. Now, there's a deeper point that needs to be brought out in this conversation as well. And that is that just because someone is not old enough to understand the concept of sin, salvation, faith in Christ and such, doesn't mean that they're not a sinner. Uh, the Bible tells us that we're born in sin. We're dead in sin. We're under the federal headship of Adam, who since he sinned, we are all offspring of Adam. And Paul makes a big thing about this in places like Romans 5, where there's an adoption that takes place, where we now become uh, those who are under the federal headship of Christ. And so that that's a pretty big concept in Scripture to get our minds around. So we can't say that just because a baby does not understand obviously does not understand uh, anything really other than the basics of the nurture that comes in family. They don't understand how to answer moral questions or anything. That does not mean that that child is not still born uh, in sin. And so um, the idea of, oh, well, you know, um, someone's innocent until a certain age. That's not quite the way I would phrase that. Nobody's actually innocent. All of us are uh, actually uh, born in sin. We're not, it's not just that we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's in our nature to do so. And so um, when we talk about these ideas, it, it is helpful to gain a sense of what our actual situation is 
Um, and, and not to sort of fall on the scale of, well, we become sinners when we start to sin. That's not true. We actually are born sinners, and it just finds expression in different ways as we get older and mature and become more sophisticated about our sin. Um, so, but let me get more to the question at hand here. Um, uh, when it talks about uh, babies without guilty conscience under the age of accountability, removed from the earth uh, in the rapture. Um, one of the reasons why this question is challenging is because I, I know of no scripture that specifically answers this question. And so we are by definition uh, in an area that is somewhat speculative. And so we need to admit that. We need to know that. So when we speak to this, can't speak dogmatically about what the answer absolutely is in some of these things. We can only speak in terms of principles. Um, and so, and on top of that, um, there are really a couple of principles that are kind of should be brought up in this conversation. One has to do with the idea of the rapture. Do children get raptured up? Um, and that kind of thing. Uh, the other thing is, what about children in terms of their um, standing before God? Um, are they, you know, if they don't come to a place where they profess faith, does that mean they're lost? Well, how, you know, how could they be if they're not capable of such a choice? So let me speak to um, uh, the first question, the idea of the rapture. The truth of the matter is we don't know. Uh, there does not seem to be any reason to think uh, or to have a clear sense of what the answer is going to be on that. Um, however, um, there is a really good point made uh, uh, in this question that children are not exempt from hardship, difficulty, suffering, and that kind of thing just because they're children. We see this as true in every kind of context, whether it's the situations mentioned here where God has sent his people in to wipe out the Canaanites and that kind of thing. Um, uh, and by the way, that question will lead to the second question that I want to answer in a moment. Um, but you know, children are not exempt from suffering uh, in any context, really. Uh, children, being part of a fallen world, are subject to many of the same sufferings that their families, their parents might endure, and that kind of thing. Even though they don't understand it, uh, they, they are subject to it because the world we live in is fallen. This is what a sinful world not only looks like, but does to its inhabitants. This is, uh, this is, you know, an evidence of who, uh, when Jesus refers to Satan as the God of the, of this world and that the, um, when Satan himself props himself up as the one who's in charge of all of the kingdoms of the world and he can give them to Jesus, uh, if he'll bow down and worship him in Matthew 4, Luke 4. So we, you know, we recognize that this is a world that is fallen and God is working his purposes out in the midst of that, ultimately to bring about uh, the coming kingdom, and then finally, you know, judgment and all those kinds of things. And so uh, the things that we see happening around us are seen through a lens darkly, as if I can borrow from James for a moment. But the idea is that even though we don't fully understand how some of these mechanics work in terms of God's purposes being fulfilled in this time and space, we do know that they will be worked out and they are going to be just and right and fair. As Abraham said, will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is clearly yes. And so therefore, even though we don't understand how something might be, it doesn't mean there isn't a reason behind it and a good reason behind it. Uh, a reason that the good that is ultimately brought about 
uh, overarches uh, the the difficulty and the complexity of what we see happening right before us. So in a question like, are children raptured, um, are little ones raptured? Um, we don't know the answer to that question. It does seem from our perspective that that would be a just thing to do so that they don't enter into the tribulation period. But that doesn't answer the other part of the question. What about those children that are born in the tribulation period? If you remember in Matthew 24, Jesus spoke about uh, these days that would be coming that, you know, uh, pray that, you know, uh, if you're, you're uh, for those who are pregnant and nursing babies in those days. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it's a period of time where people will be getting pregnant and getting married and eating and drinking and trying to live what uh, normal life as they can. Again, we see in Matthew 24, 38 talks about this. And so, um, um, the idea that children will be around during that period of time and will even be born in the midst of that tribulation period, um, gives us an indication. Uh, again, there's no clear answer specifically to the rapture question, but there, there's no passage that would lead us to believe that, that children are raptured just by virtue of being children during that time. Now, that, of course, leads to the next question. That is, well, okay, well, how is that just? I mean, what, what, how, do we, how do we justify God's goodness in the light of those kinds of questions, those kinds of difficulties and complexities, or even the earlier point of, of the sufferings of children and that in, in, circ- in different circumstances throughout history. Um, again, I, as I started to touch on already, the, the idea is that this is a fallen world. And so therefore the consequences of that are that people experience suffering. It's one of the reasons why we look forward to the coming of the kingdom. It's one of the reasons, one of the, um, uh, reasons why we have the strength to walk through the difficult times because we know what the end of the story looks like. Um, and even though God doesn't and is not required to explain to us why he does things the way he does, we do know enough about his nature and character to understand and trust. And this is where faith in him comes in, is that we know that he will, in fact, as judge of all the earth, do what is right. And so um, so the rapture question, don't know, really. Um, it does not appear that they would be raptured necessarily just by virtue of being children, um, but maybe they will be. Maybe they will be, and, and um, you know, uh, those that are born during the tribulation just have to live through that period of time. But we don't know the answer to that specifically. Um, another thing that comes up during this, uh, in this kind of a conversation is, what about little ones when they die? It seems like a natural extension of this conversation to touch on this a little bit. Um, what about children when they die? I mean, if they can't make a profession of faith, are they saved? Are they lost? Well, again, we um, I would suppose based on some of your theological perspectives, you know, it, it might it might be a hard question to answer. Uh, I think by virtue of the fact that, again, there's not a specific verse that we can point to and say, oh, here we go. But there are, again, principles that we can glean from, from passages in Scripture that I think give us a pretty good idea. And certainly, from my perspective, I think answer the question sufficiently to give me peace about it. Um, in um, uh, If you're familiar with this discussion, then you're already probably aware of a passage like 1 Samuel chapter 12, uh, verse 23. This is after David's sin with Bathsheba. And the first child um, that... Um, that uh, uh, um, she has is uh, ultimately dies. And when the child becomes ill, uh, this is, of course, 
you know, um, a period of, of David's adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. She gets pregnant. He has her husband killed, and then he hypocritically acts as though he's taking her in under the goodness of his heart to take her in his wife and all this kind of thing. It's just, it's a very sordid situation. And the child that is produced through that gets sick and eventually dies. And the passages in, uh, second, as a, um, I'm sorry, second Samuel chapter 12, uh, verses 15 through 23. And so the child dies, and in verse 21 it says, Then the servants came to him, to David. Why is it that you, what is this that you've done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. In other words, uh, David just kind of got up and, and began to reenter life as soon as the child died. And so David answers, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me and, and the child may live? But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And so there is some debate as to what David meant by that. Was David just simply saying that, you know, if I, I obviously he can't bring the child back. One day he'll go to him. Does that just mean that David knows he'll die? Or I think that's kind of not what he's saying. I think he's actually saying one day I'll see this child again. Uh, and, and, and the presumption would be in the presence of God. We know David went to heaven in spite of this horrendous sin. We know that David is a man who loved God, who was uh, so thankful for the fact that, that um, you know, that he um, was imputed righteousness, you know, in spite of his sin and that kind of thing. Psalm 51 is a great place to go for this, to see this. Um, so in principle, it would appear that this child, David had an assurance that the child went to be with the Lord when he died. Um in Jonah chapter four, there's another passage that, you know, Jonah's all upset that God spared Nineveh. Yeah, for a number of reasons. That's an interesting thing all in itself. But he's all uh, upset with God that he spared Nineveh. It was, it's sort of like, I knew you'd be gracious to them. If, if I preached to them, they would listen, change, and you'd be gracious to them. And, and that really ticked off Jonah. And at the end of the passage, um, you know, the Lord says, well, you know, aren't there all these people there who can't tell their right hand from their left and that. In other words, are there not children there who are not old enough to understand any of these things? Would you have me just wipe them out? You know, and, and so he's forcing Jonah to think through the implications of, of his own uh, pride and arrogance and his, his sense of judgment and that kind of thing. Um, but within that statement is something that would um, imply the, the compassion of God toward those who are, you know, um, call it under an age of accountability, call it just young and incapable of, of knowing and understanding these things. Why, you know, why should we be quick to bring judgment down on them? So there's a gracious and compassionate element to the way God does things that we see in a passage like that and many others. But this is one of those places in regard to children where that seems to come up. And so, um, so in principle, um, I'm confident in the idea that, um, and, and if I can just bring, um, I'm not reformed, but but in in over the years of looking into this subject, you know, even uh, in the reformed camp, there is a, um, you know, where one might think, well, it depends if they're chosen or not. But you know, one of the arguments I, I've heard brought up in that or read in that is, you know, that it may very well be that God has elected all children who ultimately perished and suffered and died at a, a young age and that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't really um, know for sure the answer. I can say, well, here's the verse that says yes. The closest thing we have, I think, is the passage in Second Samuel twelve uh, twenty three. But it's not it's not absolutely clear because David may just have had that assurance about his own child. But is that a universal truth? We can't say with absolute certainty. But 
Um, as it's often been said, um, you know, when you are confronted with what you don't understand, fall back on what you do understand. And what I do understand is that God is gracious, he's kind, he's compassionate, he uh, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He, you know, is not desiring that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. I think there is a sense that that we should, if we're going to answer this question and plant our feet on one side or the other, it seems to me that in regard to what happens to a child when they die, uh, it would be wise and I think consistent scripturally too with the nature and character of God to plant our feet on the side of children uh, who die in infancy in young, you know, younger than they're capable of making uh, any real profession of faith of Christ in that, uh, putting their trust in him. I think if they're too young for that to be a reasonable possibility, my sense is, is that yes, they would go to heaven. And I, I would, I would always feel completely confident, comforting a family that way and not feel like I was violating some principle of scripture. I think it's a fair, uh, uh, a reasonable understanding of that question about the rapture though, is one that we don't really know. Um, it, it does seem consistent that children do enter into very difficult times and, and have to go through sufferings and that kind of thing. And I'll add one more thing to that just as we come back around to it. Um, Part of the wisdom of God is knowing what he's going to do with those lives that do go through those things. Um, it, it would be wrong for us to presume that because a child enters into the tribulation period or is born during the tribulation period, that that somehow is God being cruel to children. Um, who's to say that some heroes of the faith may not come out of that number of children? Who's to say that those children might, by virtue of entering into the tribulation period, um, might ultimately get saved, uh, grow to an age where they can uh, ultimately choose Christ. Not that they would have been lost uh, if they died prior to that, but you know, who's to say that um, that this somehow doesn't work into the purposes of God in accomplishing? Uh, and I would say that it does work into the purposes and and uh, such of God as He's um, as He brings these things about. So I, I I guess I would just conclude by saying this: that there are. There are the wise of God that are beyond the wise, the W-H-Y apostrophe S, the, or not apostrophe, but the wise of God that are beyond us. You know, the hidden things belong to the Lord, Deuteronomy 29, 29. But the things that he's made known to us are for us to understand, right? And to pass on to our, our children in that. And so we we do want to do our best to understand things that are clear, absolute, cut, dry. We understand it. But even in the things that are left to us to understand based on principle, I think it's wise for us to do all that we can uh, to understand those principles as best we can while understanding that they are principles. They're, they don't necessarily give us enough to stand firm-footed and say absolutely this, but they can bring us to a place where we can answer a question like this one, I think consistently, biblically, in, in regard to the nature and character of God. Um, and so, you know, the short answer in terms of the rapture, there's no clear passage that would say that infants and such are raptured away necessarily. It seems like that would be awesome, but I'm not going to presume upon God to say that he doesn't have something else in mind potentially with that if that's not the case. Uh, and that would be true for those children who are born during the tribulation period. In terms of what happens to them after they die, I feel a little more certain in, in terms of answering that question. But even still, it is one that is not absolutely abundantly clear. And we have to be fair to what the scriptures say on that. We can't just presume something that isn't absolutely clear cut. So um, so anyway, uh, that would be how I would answer that question. Uh, it's a little bit noncommittal in some ways, but 
I don't know that we can be fully committal on that without knowing for sure. So maybe today is just sort of a lesson in being comfortable with being uncomfortable and uh, just sort of having to trust that God has got the things figured out uh, well beyond anything that we can figure out. And so I'm willing to trust in, in knowing that, again, surely the God of all the earth, the judge of all the earth, will do what is right. So, Father, thank you for uh, your grace and, and even these moments of, of not having the kind of clarity that we might like. Um, but we do pray that you would help us as students of your word, as lovers of your word, uh, that we would approach these things with an honest and open mind, that we would be willing to stop where the scriptures do and and uh, and where principles are, are concerned, help us to be consistent biblically when we approach these things. Uh, Father, we do thank you that, again, certainly the judge of all the earth will always do what is right. It is not in your nature to do anything that is wrong. Uh, we thank you that you are good, not that you live up to good, but good is what it is because that's what you are, and, and you are the one who has created good because it's in your nature. So we thank you that we can rest in these things, even when we don't uh, find rest in, in being unsettled about not having answers to certain things. Uh, we thank you that there are precious few of those, really, in regard to our faith, but certainly even when we're troubled by these questions, we can always fall back on that which we do know. And that is, again, your nature, your character, your love for us, uh, your purposes and plans being worked out, and that you do what is right. So thank you. We love you and praise you for this. And ask that, Father, you would bless our understanding and bless our hearts with a sense of peace when we don't have that understanding, just again, knowing that we're resting in you. Thank you, Father. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.